We're looking at uh, You Must Be Born Again is the passage uh, that you probably know if you've been around church for a while. But I want to draw out some principles about what that means for us as the born again community. Uh, and there's always questions as uh, people of God that were they really born again if they disappear? Or uh, were they not born again and that's why they're no longer carrying on? So there are all kinds of verses in the Bible that encourage us to keep going right till the end. But I would say uh, every born again person will find that they've just got to put on the whole armour of God. They've got to get up off the ground regularly because we fall down again, again, again and again. Uh, it, it's just part of the Christian journey. I don't mean you have to fall down. We don't have to. But we do tend to. We're children of God. Children tend to fall down and then they get back up. But a child, for example, who's learning to ride a bike... Uh, sometimes they fall off the bike and they think, oof, that was painful, I don't want to try riding a bike. But actually the best thing really is to get back on the bike quickly and to have another go, have another go. If you're teaching your children, children to ride a bike, I would recommend do it on grass because... Uh, with a slight downhill. It makes it that little bit easier for them to get it. Not too much of a downhill, because that, that's dangerous. Uh, so for us, our kids learn going downhill towards the Mersey River, but just a gentle incline. But you've got to get back on the bike again and again and again until you start to get very confident. And then maybe later on, on the journey, you learn how to ride your bike with no hands and uh, so it's very dangerous. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, so we're looking at being born again. There's a passage in John chapter 3 uh, where, where we'll be looking mostly today. John chapter 3, it says this, verse 19, This is the verdict, light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we want to be those who love the light. We want to reach out to those who still love the darkness and see them come to know you the light of the world. We ask, Lord, for light to shine through us, for light to shine this Christmas, for light to shine as we invite people on Alpha, for light to shine as we have a carol service and uh, talk about the King of Kings coming to planet Earth. We ask, Lord, for a great season of a great light shining in the darkness. We pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we know Jesus, before we've been transformed by him and regenerated, before he takes out our old nature, our, our nature that loves sin, the Bible says that we love darkness. Now, I think what that means is if God's over there, we all tend to be looking over here and we love this and we love that 
And we all love different things, but we all have our back turned towards God. And so you might think, well, I'm not as bad as a drug dealer, or I'm not as bad as a murderer, and the drug dealer's doing this, and the murderer's over here. And But every single one of us loves darkness. This is the wall of sin, and we all choose darkness. We've all got our back to God. And repentance is changing our mind and saying, God, I'm yours. Turning around. A turn of mind, first of all, that says, Lord, I don't want sin anymore. I need you. You've got to change me. You've got to take out this nature that loves darkness. Now, what often happens when people start to realise that they are addicted to the wall of sin and different sins on that wall they start to try to clean their own life up and eventually, hopefully, they realise they're failing. Because some people sadly actually think they have cleaned their own life up and are quite content to live without God in control of their own life, but there's a much better life. And even when they think they're controlling it, they're still actually sinning in certain ways. They're still... Uh, facing the wall of sin, living for sin, living for darkness, enjoying darkness. I once had a very uh, poor, I had one very poor year on the earth. So, uh, so poor was I as a student in my third year, uh, second and third year as a student, that I actually bought bread uh, that was, it said, fit for human, con- uh, not fit for human consumption. I was living in Florida, it was one cent. So for one cent you could buy this bread. You were meant to throw it to ducks, things like that. But I used to buy it, I would toast it, I would pull off the mould. I was just that poor that year. Uh, And I never went without food, so I wasn't super poor, but uh, I didn't have a lot of money. And that year, in the mobile home I lived in, in Florida, I enjoyed living in this mobile home with three other uh, friends of mine, uh, Americans, and a lot of cockroaches, probably thousands of cockroaches, and a few mice. Uh, the mice uh, wasn't a big problem because we took it in turns, the four of us, uh, who would empty the trap. Uh, and we'd put, we'd, wherever we found mouse droppings, I remember shaving one day and Something ran across my foot and it was like Tom and Jerry. This mouse went like this and then we had a lino floor and it turned and was trying to move but its feet were kind of going like that but it wasn't going anywhere. It was still sliding. So we had uh, a, a mouse problem. But we put traps out and uh, it was different people's turns. You'd hear, we'd be sitting down watching Happy Days in the 80s and you'd hear and we'd go, it's your turn to empty the trap. Uh, and the worst time ever was uh, we were watching Happy Days and, uh, and it was Dave Barron's turn to empty the trap, the guy from Indiana. And so we're all laughing because it's his turn. And we know that a mouse has been caught because we heard it go, we heard the trap go. It was in a kitchen drawer where we saw lots of droppings. And uh, then we heard, kadunk, kadunk, kadunk. And we're like, oh no, it's still alive. And, 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 and Dave Barron's like, oh no. Uh, so, anyway, sad story. Uh, but, in this mobile home, if you got up in the middle of the night, 
you would often, I'm not lying, as you were, we would always walk barefoot around our mobile home, but you'd go, it meant you'd trodden on a cockroach. Because they were everywhere. If you turned on a light, you'd see hundreds of cockroaches running for uh, under the fridge, under the... And you'd think, how did it get under that skirting board? They're so big, some of these uh, roaches. But they just disappear. Why? They love the darkness. They hate the light. And Jesus says that's exactly what we're like. We love the darkness. And we don't even realise just how sick it is, how sick we are, how twisted we are. If you go back generations, even the very first family was dysfunctional. Even the very first brothers, one murdered another. And ever since then, every family is dysfunctional. Your family, my family, is dysfunctional. And actually, we function by loving darkness. Unless God gets a hold of us. So, um, Jesus is saying here that naturally, in our flesh, we love darkness. We don't want to honour God, live for God, worship God. We would much rather, rather than worship God, we would change that, exchange the truth for a lie, and we worship and serve created things rather than the creator and so that wall of sin that we tend to look at this darkness over here we choose different things and some people look like they're functioning quite well in a sinful dark world but they're not every single person who doesn't know Jesus is not functioning well now you may think well I'm a Christian and I'm not functioning well that's true of any child as they fall down and they've got to get back up. But the righteous fall seven times but rise again. We are a people who can stand if we keep trusting God. We can walk and not fall down. But we often fall. And if we fall, we're told, confess your sins to God. And then get up and move on. Don't wallow laying there and I'm terrible, I'm going to stay here and enjoy my sin now that I've started. So we love darkness naturally and Jesus says that he himself is the answer. The Christmas story is all about a great light has come. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So anyone who follows Jesus is a transformed person. He actually says he will do an operation on us. He takes out our old heart, the heart that loves sin. He puts in a new nature, one that loves God. Totally changes us. So how do you know for sure you're a Christian? Is it that you worship? No. No one worships. Is it that you come to church? No. Is it that you read your Bible? No. All those things are are, are good. It's good to come to church. It's good to read your Bible. How do you know you're a Christian? I think, for me, 
I want to know that I love Jesus, that I love the light, that I'm following him, that I'm looking to him, that even when I fall down, I'm still looking to him. Trusting him, leaning on him. He says anyone who knows him, they're the light of the world, they're the salt of the earth. So not only are you now a child of light in a dark world, but you can be light to other people. You're reflecting light. The light of Jesus is hitting you. We're like the moon, I suppose. The sun hits the moon and the moon doesn't have its own light. We don't have our own light, but Jesus' light hits us and we reflect to everyone else around. Do not think that you make no difference. You're the light of the world. Don't hide your light. Now how can you hide your light? I would say you hide your light by never telling anyone you're a Christian. You hide your light by uh, never speaking about Jesus. Never saying, well look, I am struggling but I still love Jesus. Now the devil says don't share anything unless you've got a perfect testimony which basically shuts us all up. That's just the way he says it. Only share when your testimony is perfect. Don't share anything else. But actually that's a huge lie. Share everything Jesus does with you. Share every struggle you have, but you're still trusting Jesus. Share everything that's going on in your life and how you actually, with everything, even the great struggles, you're looking to him. Even share with people, I'm talking about people in darkness, people who don't know Jesus, even share that you've stopped trying, but he's carrying you. You've stopped reading your Bible, but you know he still loves you. You're really struggling at the moment. You can't hardly pray, but you know that you still trust him. Share that. That blows people away, because you're real. You're not trying to put on a, 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 a facade of any kind. And when they see you're real, they, they sense it. You're letting your light shine before men. It's quite incredible to let your light shine. You can do it in all kinds of ways. Uh, I, one little way that I like to uh, look for opportunities for a door to open for the gospel is I try to learn one or two words of lots of languages to say hello to people in their language. So I met a man in the Asda coffee shop in uh, Liverpool Lovely man, really friendly man from Turkey. His name's Yasha. So I asked Yasha to teach me some words because I'm going to Turkey. Uh, uh, this was a few years back. So he taught me a few words and every time I see Yasha, I say, Mahaba Yasha, which is hello uh, in Turkish. And he likes that and he smiles at me and he's friendly to me and he says, have another coffee. I'm like, that's kind of stealing. He's like, no, no, have another coffee. I'm like, fine, okay. Uh, <laughs> don't record this, you might get in trouble. Uh, so, the, this man is just lovely, so friendly to me. Um, so four years ago I did go to Turkey and learnt a little bit of Turkish. Then just recently Charlotte and I went to Turkey to a New Frontiers conference and just before I went, I went to see Yasha in... Uh, I, I take students to this coffee area in Asda and, uh, and I always 
see Yasha there and, and say hi. And this time, uh, just before we went to Turkey, Yasha's there, but he's limping terribly. I say, Mahaba Yasha, what's happened? I, I don't know the Turkish for what's happened. And he said, I don't know, but my, I, I can't walk. I said, can I pray for you? This is in front of about 50 people. It's lunchtime in uh, the ASDA, as they say in Liverpool, the ASDA. So, uh, so we're in this coffee shop and I said, can I pray for you, Yasha? He knows I'm a Christian. He's not a Christian. He's grown up sort of Muslim, uh, but he's not, uh, not particularly uh, zealous as a Muslim. So he's very happy for me. He said, oh yes, please. So I pray for him. I pray for his leg to be healed. He also couldn't pick up, he's tried to pick up some keys and his, his sort of uh, dexterity had gone. So I said, I, I prayed for about 30 seconds. Uh, I said, is anything changed? He tried to pick up the keys and he sh- his hand shook. He said, no. I said, can I pray again? So I pray again. People are watching. I'm not praying loud. Uh, I'm praying quite quiet. But people can see that I'm praying for, for Yasha. Uh, are you healed? Uh, no, I don't think so. Can I pray again? Third time. I said, I pray a third time. And Yashu, I said, are you healed? He goes, no. Maybe God will heal me later. Which means, please stop praying for me in public. I, I've had, we, it didn't work. Uh, but what a privilege. That is letting your light shine. You also think, actually it looks like the door's shutting now. Uh, for the gospel, but actually it wasn't. I obviously say, I will keep praying for you, Yasha. He's my friend now. He's taught me, lot. I know lots of Turkish words now, thanks to Yasha, and being there for two weeks recently. And um, So, this old couple are you know, on the next table, uh, and they go, you can pray for us if you like. I, so I'm, I'm over here, I go, he didn't get healed, uh, they go, yeah, but it doesn't matter. You can pray for us. So I go over to pray for Ted and Esther. They're probably about 70-something. And I, I, I say, what can I pray? And Ted says, if there's a God, how come there's so much uh, evil in the world? I said, well, I thought you wanted me to pray for you. If there's a God, he might heal you. Do you want me to pray? Yeah, okay. Uh, I've got a hip problem. Will you pray for me? So I pray for Ted. Then his wife, says, uh, Esther, says, you can pray for me. So I walk around the table. I pray for Esther. She's got a heart condition. She's crying while I'm praying for her. I go back to the student I'm with, uh, one, one of our CU president guys in our church, and, uh, and I try to speak to him and I start to cry. I said, this doesn't always happen. The light of God came into the coffee shop just by praying for one person who I've known for four years now, who didn't get healed. Ted and Esther sit there and uh, about half an hour later they get up to leave and they go, bye Graham, we'll let you know if we get healed. So I've given them one of our church business cards. And, and, uh, but it's like I've got two more friends. Yash is my friend now, Ted and Esther are my friends. Then this uh, tall... Nigerian came and I, I'd never met this guy. He must be 80 something, quite elderly. And he stood there and looked down and smiled at me. And I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, 
yes, I've been a Christian for... He told me how many years he'd been a Christian and how he'd served Liverpool on various governments. And uh, But then we had a fantastic chat about Christianity with him as well. So the light of God not being hidden can be little things like learning a word of Turkish. You might think, that's not the gospel. It's opening a door for the gospel. Always look for opportunities to pray for people. Most people don't mind you praying. I would have thought they would only want me to pray if Yashu got healed. He didn't get healed, but they're going, you can pray for me. You can pray for me. And Esther's weeping after I've prayed for her. You think, well, what's God doing? I think God is showing his present right there in that coffee shop. Don't hide the light of God. You're reflecting the light of Jesus. Don't hide it under uh, a bushel, it says in the New Testament. So, this is an interesting thing for me, is that when the Apostle Paul goes into dark places, like in Turkey, Ephesus, he went to a dark place and he preaches the kingdom of God and he preaches Jesus, the light of the world. And he points them to the one who can bring light. He says this in Romans, which would have been a tough place to take the gospel with the, the empire there, with uh, at some point later on, Nero becomes the Caesar and starts to really persecute the church. But Paul says when he's uh, going to Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And in Romans chapter 1, it talks about every single person in darkness. We've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. There's the glory of God. We're way short of his perfection. And it says this, every single person in, in Romans chapter 1, it says, knows there's a God. It's plain to them. It's clearly seen in creation. Every single person you talk to, whether it's Ted, whether it's Esther, whether it's Yasha who grew up in a Muslim background, they know deep down there's a God because they're made by God. They're, the imprint of God is on them. It may be somewhat twisted. But so were we as God starts to untwist us. And he hasn't finished untwisting us yet. He's still untwisting us to restore properly the image of God in us, to make us all that we were meant to be in representing God. But it says it's plain to them. So if it's plain to every single person that there's a God, how come when I talk to Ted, he says, if there's a God, how come there's so much evil? It tells us also in Romans 1 that we in our wickedness suppress the truth. The modern phrase is we're in denial. You're an alcoholic. No, I'm not. Oh, you're in denial. Uh, we use that phrase, but actually the Bible uses the phrase you suppress the truth. We know there's a God. We know he's going to judge us one day. <coughs> We know that. Deep down we know it. We can't deal with that. So what do we do? 
We don't say, I'm a sinner, I'm going to stand before God one day. We push down the truth so that we can enjoy life without thinking about the problem of there's a God and I'm going to stand before him. Every single person in darkness who you talk to, this Christmas time or before the Alpha course, knows deep down there's a God, knows there's a judgment day, knows God's the judge and that he's holy. We just know it because we're made by him. He's put it in our DNA. But they suppress the truth. Now Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because I want you to imagine that every person in darkness is actually a person in a murky uh, lake. Let's say the lake's about waist deep. It's a murky lake, it's quite muddy. And on both the arms of of the person you're going to invite to Alpha, on one arm it says there's a God, and on the other arm it says he's the judge. And that non-Christian says, I can't handle the fact there's a God, so they pull down their balloon, we're going to say they've got a a balloon saying there's a God and a balloon saying he's the judge. They pull down those two balloons and now they can walk through this life holding these balloons under the murky water and if you say to them there's a God, they go, no there isn't. If there's a God, how come there's so much evil in the world? Now I hope you realise that holding two balloons under water so that you can be in denial and suppress the truth, takes a lot of energy. When you come with your sword of the good news and you say, there is a God, it's like, ah, oh yeah, there is a God. Yeah, no, no, I don't want to believe it. They know there's a God. When you speak truth, it rings true to them and their very souls. They may not admit it to you. The first time I went to a student group, it was in Florida, uh, I got invited along to this student group and the first time I heard uh, the story of Noah's Ark being preached and Jimmy Young, the preacher, said, then one day God shut the door of the ark and he slammed his hand down. I knew that I was shut outside. I knew there was a God. I knew he was the judge. But I didn't tell any of the Christians. I was even going out with a Christian girl. And I didn't tell her. I was in turmoil inside, but I didn't tell anybody. I kept going for three months along to Presbyterian Church in Florida. And after three months, eventually I said, there is a God. You are the judge. Lord, I'm yours. Take me. I'm yours. When truth comes, it rings true, even to someone in darkness. Why? Because the light overwhelms the darkness every time. Don't think you have some little message that no one's interested in. You have the message that everyone knows deep down is true. And when you bring good news, don't be ashamed because it starts to release people from holding down the truth, the other truth. There's a God. He's the judge. We're going to stand before him.
Now, it's not all about God and him being the judge. There's much more to the good news than that. The good news is that he wants to forgive us everything we've ever done. He wants to pay in full for every sin we've ever committed. And he wants to accept us totally, not because we're in the ark with Noah, but because we're in Christ with Jesus. He's the new way of safety. He's the place to be. So that God looks at us and he says, hidden in Christ, well done. Hidden in Christ, come. Welcome. Come into the kingdom prepared for you. Not because of us and our good works, because of Jesus and all that he has done. In 1 Peter 1 it says this, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. If you want your friends to come to know Jesus, get them around God's word. Get them around God's people. The Alpha Course is a great way to do it. Carol services is a great way to do it. Getting them around God's people as well. That starts to break something. And, and it makes it hard. Your arms get tired holding these balloons under the water. Eventually the balloons just float to the top. Because it's actually true. Now that doesn't mean everyone will be saved. But our job isn't to save everyone. We're not the saviour. Jesus is the saviour. Our job is to invite everyone to go to the highways and byways and to say, come, I want to invite you to an Alpha course. Yeah, but what if they say no? Some will. What if they say yes? Some will. Some will come and will get saved. And I tell you what, Christians rejoice more when they see people saved than almost any other time. It is such a joyful thing to see another person come out of darkness. It does something for our faith. It does something for our encouragement in being evangelistic. Get people around God's word. And you don't have to bring them to a church meeting. You're a living letter. You're the light of the world. Just you being with them makes a difference. I remember we went uh, down to my hometown, which is Horsham in Sussex, uh, a few years ago, one Christmas. And we were all playing a card game. It was Christmas. All my family liked playing cards. And, uh, and people were getting knocked out of this game. And they were going into the, into the lounge. So we were playing around the dining table, about ten of us. And one by one, we were being knocked out of this card game. And the people who were knocked out, the Christians were doing quite well, so, which was our family. So uh, the non-Christians were getting knocked out and going to the other room. You'd hear this laughter going on. They were all watching uh, some fairly raunchy comedy. And I'm thinking, I want to know why they're all laughing because all, all we can hear is all this laughter going on and laughter's infectious. You want to be around it. Uh, so my dad got knocked out of the game. He's in the other room. I can hear him laughing. And uh, I eventually got knocked out of the game. And I went into the other room to watch this uh, comedian 
And my dad got up and turned it off. And he said, to, he didn't tell me, he did, but he said to my mum, I couldn't watch it when Graham came in the room. I wanted to watch it. Now, uh, my dad, just, just being a Christian makes a difference to the very atmosphere. You're the salt of the earth. You bring flavour where there's no taste. When people are tasteless, you bring flavour. Just being you makes a difference. So don't despise that. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. You must be born again, verse 7. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit of God if we're changed from the inside out. It's God's work. He changes us. He takes out that old nature and puts in a new one. And we don't know who's going to be saved. The wind blows wherever it pleases. The Spirit of God is so powerful. You get people to the carol service, I can assure you that you will see lives touched. It may be that it's the Alpha Course that actually helps some of them really come through for God. But what's interesting is you sometimes say, oh, I know they're going to get saved, and they don't. You think there's no way. And he, he does get saved. You think, well, I didn't think he'd get saved. God has a habit of saving people because he's the saviour. He's going to bring a people to himself. And our great privilege is to do some of the inviting. Would you like to come to our Alpha? No, that's all right. That's all right, maybe another time. It may be that you think the Alpha Course isn't the best thing for your family or your friends or your neighbours. You might think the carol service is better. Do pick and choose, but do invite people to something. Get them around God's Word. Get them around God's people, especially the friendly ones. I, I'm a bit choosy who I introduce people to. Uh, we have Sefa heading up our welcome. I'm happy if any of Sefa's team get to uh, my non-Christian friends. But there are some Christians who you think, I'll keep them away from uh, my non-Christians because some Christians are just too over the top and, and almost put people off. Don't work too hard at trying to convert people. If, let's say, a non-Christian comes in today, you might think you're doing everyone a favour going and witnessing to them. I personally don't think you are. I think the person who just says, hi, my name's Graham, what, it's nice to meet you, I think they're doing everyone a favour because that's a bit more normal. Not, uh, we, we had a horrendous guy in one of our past churches and you'd see a poor non-Christian come in and then you'd see him, he was on the welcome team and by the end of the meeting, you'd see him talking to the non-Christian and he'd be poking them in the chest and you knew he was trying to witness to them and you thought, that isn't going to help the guy ever come back. It usually takes people quite a few times before they finally say, Lord, I'm yours. It's a process. So we need to be very friendly, very patient, keep praying for them, keep being kind, Keep saying, oh, it's great to see you. Try and remember names. Learn a word of their language if that helps. There's all kinds of little things we can do. We're the light of the world. We're going to change lives. We can't help it. We're reflecting the glory of Jesus. 
It's going to make a difference wherever you go. So trust him and look for your regenerated nature to just shine out and don't hide it. But also ask God for wisdom into how to let the light be going out everywhere. In Titus 3 it says this, and I'll finish with this verse. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and desires. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We're looking for the God of mercy to touch people in Chester. He will do. He will use Christians. He will use you if you make yourself available to him. Now, I, it was really lovely being in Liverpool in the summer and uh, doing some evangelism with Liverpool Turning and loads of you came across to that. See that as just a training exercise to get out in Chester and invite people here as well. Sometimes it's easier to go up to someone you don't even know than to go up to your own family. With your family, you need to be more patient, more wise. When you're out on the streets of Liverpool just going, can I invite you along to this or that? Uh, you don't have to be particularly patient. But the Bible talks about he who wins souls is wise. Ask God for wisdom. It's a time to speak? No. It's a time to be silent? Yes. There's times to be silent with families. I don't tell my mum every single time I see her now uh, that she needs Jesus. If she raises the subject, I will definitely talk to her. I often pray for her when I'm with her. But I need wisdom. So do you. But I only need wisdom to uh, not overwhelm her because I know it's a process. And she keeps saying, I don't know why I haven't become a Christian yet. I love it when I'm up with you in Liverpool. I just can't seem to love Jesus down in Horsham. Uh, now really, she's just putting off giving her life to Jesus. And so will some of your friends be. So you've got to learn patience. The Bible talks about God being patient, but you've also got to learn boldness. So I like the word about not letting fear stop you. Joshua was afraid but he still was courageous. Courage doesn't mean you haven't got fear. Courage is pushing through and doing what you've been told to do even when you are full of fear. Be strong and courageous. Yeah, but I'm afraid. Take another step forward. Take another step forward. Trust God. Yeah, but I fell down last time I did evangelism. He's our Father. He says, get up. Oh, you've fallen over. Oh, your knees. Look, they're bleeding. Oh, let me kiss them better. Let me help you stand up. God is our Father who encourages us forward in this great walk with him. We can trust him. He's worth giving our lives to. But he says we've been set apart for the gospel. We're not just the light of the world, but we're to make a difference into the darkness. So let's stand together. Seth is going to come back and the band are going to come back now. I want to just ask you to stand and for some of you, it's a day to say, I want to recommit myself to God. For some of you, you can just say, I'm so thankful. God has helped me to do well with him. And for some of you, you might think, 
today's the day I want to know Jesus. So while we're uh, standing before God, I'd like everyone to close their eyes, to bow their heads. If today you're thinking, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the light of the world. I want to come out of darkness. If that's you today, while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, would you put your hand up and just say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to him. I'm ready to say, Jesus, yes, I'm following you now. Is that you today? If today you're thinking, I've been hiding my light. I know I'm saved, but I've been hiding my light. I haven't been shining for Jesus, letting his light shine through me. But I want to change. I want to give my life to following Jesus and being that light that he's called me to be. You're recommitting yourself to be for him and ready to share the gospel. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand where you are. And if today you think, actually I'm so pleased that I am born again and I feel like I'm really in a good place with Jesus. I'm so thankful that I'm doing well. I want you to raise your hands right now. Lord, I want to pray that people will come to know you here in great numbers. I pray for Chester to be impacted by all the churches and also, Lord, by Freedom Church. Lord, let the power of God flow. Let the light of the world shine out from this group of Christians right here. I want to pray for those who said, uh, I want to recommit myself to being more zealous for the gospel. I pray, Lord, for an anointing of blessing on those who uh, are already the light of the world. Let their light shine before men in such a way. I pray, Lord. And, And for those who are doing well, Lord, I pray, help them to keep their shield of faith up. Help them to keep their armour on. Help them to keep taking another step forward. Lord, we want to rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to weep with those who weep and we want to see a a real transformation uh, through who we are together in Jesus' name. Amen.